Hello and welcome to the Inspired Women, Inspire Women podcast. My name is Sila Simmons and I'm a leadership and organizational development consultant. And this podcast is dedicated to all of the amazing women who make it their mission to live their best lives. And by doing so, they inspire the rest of us to do the same. In this podcast, you will hear from a variety of women from all walks of life. And each of these stories is rooted in the spirit of sisterhood. You will hear from women who have won and lost, who've overcome, who've persisted and risen to the challenge. If you want to learn more about me, please visit my webpage at silasimmons.com. That is Sila, S-E-E-L-A, Simmons with two M's, dot com. Okay, y'all. Yep, you heard me right. I'm just going to say y'all. Because y'all, I've got Melissa Radke on the show today. Yep, that's the Melissa Radke, the funny, gorgeous, gregarious, talented woman who has become a viral sensation with her funny videos. One of her videos, called The Red Ribbon, got something like 15 million views, y'all. And you know what? She's been on TV, like shows like the T.D. Jake Show and other shows, and there's been articles written about her, yet she was kind enough to come on my little old podcast, The Inspired Women Inspire Women Podcast. Okay, so some of you know that I was born in Kabul, Afghanistan, but I have this infatuation with the South. And when I hear that Southern accent, my Southern, well, I guess my Southern Afghani accent comes out, and I just sound ridiculous. So I want you to bear with me because it just happens subconsciously. And Melissa has this lovely East Texas twang that just brings out my weird Southern Afghani accent. Anyway, so a few months ago, I was just scrolling through my newsfeed on Facebook, and I just stopped on this video that somehow had shown up on my newsfeed, and it was a video of Melissa, and it showed her trying to do a French braid. And I was watching, and I was just laughing so hard. Not only because I could totally relate to it, because let's face it, I've never really been all that coordinated to be able to braid my own hair, but I also found her commentary just absolutely hilarious. And then I just decided to go on to Melissa's page and just check out some of her other videos that she's put out there, and she's absolutely freaking funny. But the thing that resonated with me so very much was not just Melissa's humor. It was actually the discovery that Melissa uses humor as a vehicle to deliver a much greater message. And the message that resonated so deeply with me, and that I really believe resonates so deeply with thousands and thousands of our followers, is that message of acceptance of self, acceptance of others, of finding joy in the simplest and most mundane activities of the day-to-day. There's an element of overcoming pain with grace And I think that is that which resonates so deeply with me and with Melissa's fan club. 
So I want you to just sit back and I want you to listen to the interview. You can hear me cracking up throughout the interview. Just ignore that, please. Also, of course, this would be the one interview where I actually have real audio challenges while recording. It's never happened before. It's never happened since. But there are parts of the interview just sound a little bit different. And I hope that you can forgive that and just focus on the conversation. Melissa was gracious enough to work uh, through all of the technological difficulties with me. And we were able to record this great podcast episode for you. So kick back and enjoy. Here is Miss Melissa Radke. Well, hello. I am Melissa Radke, um, and that's actually spelled exactly like it sounds, R-A-D-K-E. Everybody says erratic, but it's Radke. Um, and I am in my 40s, all right? Let's just leave it at that. I'm a healthy 40, <laughs> and uh, I am married to David Radke. We have been married for 23 years. Actually, just a couple of weeks ago was our 23-year wedding anniversary, so got married as babies. And we have two children, Remy and Rocco. Remy is um, 11. Rocco is just turned nine. And we live in deep east Texas. So if you want to get anywhere, um, you've got to fly out of Houston. That's the closest airport. That's about an hour and a half away. And if you want to eat anywhere, you've got to go to Houston. And if you want to shop anywhere, you've got to go to Houston. So we live in a small town, Lufkin, Texas. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm from. That's who I am. Happy anniversary, Melissa. Thank you. I always say I've been married 23 years, and 20 of them have been wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <You're> right. <laughs> that's actually pretty good, right? If 20 of them have been wonderful, that's pretty good. Come on, three like suck, but but 20 of them were great, so that's not bad. No, not bad at all. And, and no one knows which three were not so good. Huh? I'm not even sure he knows. So, Melissa, you are kind of an internet sensation right now, right? Like, you've, you've made all of these great videos. Um, I believe the very first video that you had made was called The Red Ribbon. Is that right? Yes. So, yeah, Red Ribbon video. That's what people kind of know, know me for. That's kind of where I got my start. I I personally think I have been an internet sensation for most of my life. Even really before the internet was created, I felt sure that I was an internet sensation. My family will tell you that. They'll say, Melissa thought she was a star before, you know, she could walk. Um, so yeah, uh, the red ribbon video currently, um, you know, if you look at my, at my Facebook page or whatever, you may see that it has like 30 million views, but it was actually, uh, used on several different sites. So if you add all of that up, it's probably had about 50 million views right now of just that red ribbon video. Wow. Um, not to mention that there are several more that I've done that have even, you know, none of them have 50 million views, but we're talking 9 million for one or 3 million for one. Just the craziest things. Um, so that really has broadened my social media platform, so to speak. That's yeah. amazing. That, I mean, that's such a broad reach. So when you first made this video, is that something that's, you know, is this something you'd anticipated that you would resonate with so many people? No, actually, um, and that's a story I tell a lot. The videos were never supposed to happen. I was never supposed to be on video. I decided 
to create a Facebook page simply because I had had a blog for so long and my blog had accumulated um, several thousand readers because I'm a writer. First and foremost, I always knew I was a writer. I always knew I had a big personality, but I did not have uh, the confidence to put myself on video. People can be very mean on social media. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's an old saying, um, you have a face for radio. That's an old saying. Mm-hmm. That means you, you got a lot of personality, but let's don't show that. <laughs> let's don't show your mug. And I, I kind of assumed myself to be that way. Um, I didn't, I've never felt attractive enough to, to put myself out there on video. And I didn't want to be ridiculed by people for the way I looked or for my size or for my weight or for the way I wore my hair. So I wrote, that's what I did. I wrote blogs and then Facebook really get, um, you know, was so popular and such a huge platform that I began to post things on there. It was my husband who said, but you have such a great personality. If you will put it on video, I really think you'll resonate with people. And I did not want to do that. But several, a couple of years ago, I, when I turned 41, I made a birthday wish to be more brave in my life and to say yes to things that scared me. I would give one year of my life to saying yes to things that had been fearful. And he used that against me and said, will you do videos? And I said, no. And he said, ha ha, gotcha. You're supposed to be saying yes. So I did. And Red Ribbon was honestly one of the first videos I ever put out. I mean, I think it was probably like my third, my third video and um, 50 million views later. So clearly I have something that resonates with people. And maybe it's because I look like their sister or I sound like their girlfriend from college. I don't know. But one of the things I told Erin, your assistant, was that you are the sister or the girlfriend that everyone wishes she had. And and you know what? I hear that a lot. I really do. I think my girlfriends would say, no, no, she's not. (laughs) Um, She's high maintenance. She can be needy. She talks all the time. When she laughs, it's like really loud and abrasive. That's probably what they would say. Um, but I do hear that a lot, and I think I'm just relatable. And I used to pray that, I, I mean, I really sincerely would pray, God, just change my personality. I'm too much. And then I just learned, you know, as the years have gone on and I've gotten older and wiser, that if you are too much for some people, then those probably aren't your people, That's you right. know? That's and right. so I celebrate, really, I celebrate my personality more now then I want to change it. And that's probably what comes across in the videos to your fans as well. And what I find interesting is that your husband was the catalyst, you know, for you to kind of put these, put your message out on video. I find that very, very interesting. And it actually says a lot about him and the love he has for you and how well he knows you to try and get you to do that. Yes. Here's the deal. Um, When David and I got married, um, when we got engaged, rather, so probably 24 years ago when we got engaged, um, we were at college, and there was this guy on campus, and he said to David, he was a really popular guy and a bit older than us, and he said to David, he goes, Dave, what are you doing, man? You put a ring on her. You know, she's a hard one to tame, you know, to tame. What, what are you thinking? And David made the comment, I'm going to ride that woman's coattails to the top. And I we, we laugh about that because David saw something in me 
even all of those years ago that I did not see in myself. Mm-hmm. David always knew there was something special about me. When he says he's my biggest fan, he ain't kidding. Mm-hmm. Um, he has always believed that for me, whether that was in my music career, because we lived in Nashville for years and I was a, a studio singer there, whether that was in my writing, whether that was in videos, he's always known that this day would come. It just took longer than what we what we thought. But oh, he's a huge supporter for sure. So why is he called the Attorney General? <laughs> oh, I would be happy to tell you the answer to that because he is not in the room to correct me. He's called the Attorney General. That came to be one night when we were all playing dominoes with my family and we were sitting around the table and we played dominoes my whole life and David was new to the family and, and he did not really care for the way we played them because we don't play them by the rules, but that's how we live our life and we're fine with it. It's gotten us this far, and we have a lot of fun. But he likes to play by the rules, and if he if and he has to read the rules, he would hold the rules in his hand, and we made horrible fun of him. And he would lose his temper, and he would throw dominoes across the table and say, "If you're going to play it, play it for the right, play it like the rules state." And he would use all of these words that no none of us knew what they meant, and so like like rules and discipline. <laughs> so yeah, so I for some reason called him the attorney general and that just stuck because I say David is all about rules and regulations and discipline and self-control. None of those things do I even know what they mean. And then he went to law school and he actually did become an attorney. (laughs) I say he is the attorney general because no fun can be found in him. And then I'm the total opposite of that. You know, I wake up every day and it's like, woo, new world. So yeah, that's where it came. What a perfect balance. I guess so. I think that's why it's worked so well. So, Melissa, tell me a little bit about how you grew up. How did you become, how did you get to be, you know, like you put it, such a big, fun personality? I grew up, I was an only child, and I was, so I was very close to my mom and dad. My mom and dad both have wonderful personalities. They're very funny people. Uh, So I grew up, even though it was just me, no siblings in the house, I still grew up in a loud, funny home. Um, Also, Maybe this is a Southern thing. I don't know, but I'm surrounded by family, literally. Um, so on our piece of land, which is about 30-something acres, there is an aunt and uncle behind me, an aunt and uncle in front of me, a cousin and his wife to the left, and a grandmother to, and grandfather to the right. Wow. So we literally, in fact, when I first brought David home when we were dating, he assumed he was coming into a cult. Like, he's like, is this a cult? I need to know. Just, just stay with me. Am I marrying into a cult? Um, we're not. We're just Southern. And so I grew up around a lot of cousins and aunts and uncles, and we always had a very loud, ruckus time. Um, so I was raised around a lot of family. Now, when I moved off to Nashville, when I got married and we moved away, my parents ended up adopting. Um, so my, my sister is 20 years younger than me. So there was quite an age gap there. So I can't say, I still say sometimes that I'm an only child and she will literally be standing right there saying, you know, I can hear you talking, right? I'm standing right here, Um, but I forget about her. Uh, yeah, so I, I just was raised um, in a large family, even though I was an only child. It's, it's quite the dichotomy, I realize. But um, that has come back. I'm going to tell you what. That family has come back to haunt me because we, we, we moved away from Nashville. Once David and I had children, we moved back here to raise them around family. Yeah. And 
now here we are. All of this is taken off on social media with the videos, you name it. And now um, I am approaching um, something quite interesting. I can't even say it was a, it's a dream because trust me, I never dreamed for this. But David and I recently signed a contract with a major network to do a reality show for my family. I signed a reality contract. David did, Remy did, and Rocco did. And they will be shooting our pilot in two weeks. Um, uh, let's see, like the second or third week in October, actually. And um, for a reality show that is currently, as of right now, this could change called Leave It to Melissa. And it is going to include all of these larger than life personalities in my family. Like it will uh, show a lot of my mom and I's relationship, which is um, if you've ever watched the golden girls, yeah. it's this Dorothy and Sophia type of relationship. <laughs> very much so. Um, my dad who's very funny, my children, my daughter who's hysterical. Um, so yeah, coming soon to a TV near you, my big Southern family. That sounds amazing. So it's called leave it to Melissa Congratulations. And in two weeks, you're going to start taping the pilot. That's amazing. Exactly. And, and, um, they have, the network has not announced it yet. So we kind of have to keep that under wraps as of right now. And again, the name could change, but as of right now, that's what it's going to be called. And just, you know, to just when you thought TV could not get any worse for <laughs> the next generation, they've gone and <laughs> Well, I, I think it'll be a vast improvement to a lot of stuff that's out there right now. So I can't wait for it. Leave it to Melissa. I can't wait for it. Congratulations. Thank you. You know, one of the really cool things, we had a meeting with the network and um, the president of the network actually came in, spent the entire time in this meeting with us. We never expected that to happen, but the president is just extremely interested and invested in this show. And one of the things that she said was, I cannot understand this family. And I said, you know, get in line, sister. Neither can I. And I'm part of it. And she said, no, I just mean this, this, the way that y'all confront each other, the way you fight with each other, and yet the way you forgive so easily and you continue loving each other. Like, I don't, I don't understand that. Mm -hmm. And I really thought that was quite a testament to what we, that's just normal. Our fighting and our arguing, our bigness, our loudness, our abrasiveness, it's just so normal to us. But what we have forgotten and what is, is this, the beauty of our quickness to forgive and our, our, the mercy that we extend to each other, we take that for granted and other people are now noticing that. So I'm actually really excited to bring that to television. You know, yeah. the forgiveness of a family. I think that's a really beautiful thing. It really is a very, very beautiful thing. And, it, you know, as I hear you talking, Melissa, I think this is one of the things that makes you so relatable in so many ways. Melissa, you and I are so different, right? Like, I, I think I may have shared with you, I'm a former refugee. I'm from Afghanistan. Um, granted, I, you know, grew up in, in um, Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, when I was a teenager, but when you talk, when you talk about your family, you know, and how, although you're, well, not an only child, because you did tell me you have a sister, so I won't say that, but that although you have a, um, you know, you have a sister that's 20 years younger than you, you know, when you were growing up as an only child, you had this large network of family around you. I can so very much relate to that. I have a large network of people around me. So maybe, 
Maybe I'm Southern Afghani. <laughs> Maybe you are. I'm so happy to bring that out on you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Melissa. Thank you. <laughs> and then, and, and then, as I talk to you, I hear this weird quirk that I have, which is I I love the Southern accent. My husband's from Louisiana, so. <gasps> And so then yeah. I hear myself trying to emulate it, and it sounds so ridiculous. So if you hear me doing that, just yell at me. <laughs> okay, okay, I will be sure. I, I tell you what, I could probably listen to your story all day. Honestly, like, how does a young woman, a refugee from Afghanistan, meet a Louisiana Cajun? I just can't get over it. I know, right? Isn't life kind of crazy the way it all just somehow works out? But tell me this. I, I ran into one of your videos where you were just singing an ode to Amazon, right? You were trying to make David laugh. <laughs> but my yeah, God, yeah. your voice is unbelievable. Well, thank you. You know, um, I grew up knowing that I wanted to write, that I grew up believing that that my future was was music my mother is an excellent singer my aunt and my cousin and my grandfather actually had a traveling group where they traveled together and sang so people will say well what do you like better singing or writing well writing was a gift that i was a was a talent that i um was trained at music that came extremely natural for me. I was singing since I was born. And so I went to college to Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, which is an exceptional music college uh, or university rather. And I graduated with a performing arts degree and I immediately started singing um, in session work and studio work with uh, both contemporary Christian artists as well as country artists um, have some exciting stories from from those days, which was forever ago. But um, but yeah, music just always came really natural. Here was the thing. I didn't necessarily want to make a career out of it. I didn't I didn't want to make albums and I didn't want to travel on a bus and go from gig to gig to gig. It just that that never appealed to me. And so I really wrestled with that. Um, in my thirties with God, you gave me this talent, you gave me this gift, but yet I don't want to make a life out of it. But it's so interesting now because, um, I travel and do some public speaking, but music taught me all that. It taught me how to be on stage. It taught me how to, to get response, to elicit response from the audience. And so really the thing that I thought, oh, what am I going to do with this, was just training me the whole time. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. And, and, your, and your voice really is something very, very special. I, and then I, I think you have a couple other, or another video out there, too, where you're um, singing a little bit. And it really is. I mean, it's something very, very special. Well, thank you. You know, there's times that my parents are disappointed that I'm not doing something more musical with my life. But um, I really do feel like music will continue to come up. And, um, but, to, but to make a career out of it, I didn't want to make a career out of it. Now, I will tell you that when I, we moved back to Texas with our children, I actually accepted the position at a church here in town and was their worship pastor. So some people say, what does that mean? Well, that means every Sunday morning when you come in for church, I was leading the music. That's, that's what I did. And loved that. Did it again, 
didn't want to didn't want to retire doing it. Mm-hmm. It was what I wanted to do for the next thirty years of my life. But I did love it, and I just feel like again that was a time that God was really training me up for this platform that I now have. It was just such a training ground time. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And you know, another thing with you, Melissa, is yes, you have all these talents. You're you're great on camera. You have this beautiful voice, super funny. But there's a deep-rooted message in all of your videos and all of the content that you put out. And I wonder if that's really what resonates with people because there's something very honest in the way that you uh, approach um, your message. And I wonder if that's what all of your viewers, all of these women are relating to. Can you talk, talk to me a little bit about you know, the key message that, it, that you're trying to get out to your viewers? Well, first of all, I'm just so thankful that I have one. And I know that sounds silly, but um, I think that there are a lot of people out there doing what I'm doing that don't even really know what their message is. And I'm so passionate about mine. And so let me um, just give you a little background. And I, I referenced this earlier in our interview, and that was when I, everybody thinks when they turn 40, it's going to be so hard. Oh, it's just going to be so terrible when I turn 40. Turning 40 to me was a blast. We had a, a big, huge 40th birthday party for me at my favorite place. It was this crawfish shack, and we all ate fried fish and fried shrimp, and it was wonderful, and we danced all night, and it was great. Turning 41 sucked big time. <laughs> it just was like turning 41 was horrible because you realize, oh, crap, I really am in my 40s. And here, everybody celebrates your 40th birthday, but at 41, like, you're just grocery shopping that day. Nobody cares. Yeah. You know? So I turned 41. And the night that I turned 41, I blew the candles out of a cake that I had bought myself for myself. And they had actually misspelled my name on the cake. So that tells you my life in a nutshell. That's my life in a nutshell. Um, I was blowing the candles out. My kids were around me, my husband, my mom and dad. And I remembered making this wish that I would be brave. I would be brave and I would say yes and I would live courageously. Well, the end, the evening goes by, I blow out those candles and I will tell you what I, and out of all the videos I've done, I have never said to my husband with the exception of that night, I've never said, set up the camera and get out of the room. I have to make a video and I have to make it right now. But that night after everyone had gone home and the kitchen was cleaned and everyone was down after their bath and going to sleep, I made him set up the camera and I sat in front of the camera and I made a a video, which I don't know if you've seen it, but it, yeah. we, we called it Eat Cake, Be Brave. Yes, it, it literally uh, brought me to tears. It was so beautiful. Well, I'm so glad it touched you. I had to get it off my chest. I just had to say to the camera, to the world, I am done. I am done with being behind the scenes. I'm done with being the backup singer because no one thinks that I look the part to stand in the front. I'm over that. I'm going to make the videos. I'm going to sing the solo. I'm going to do whatever I can to come out of this shell that people have put me in. You know, I wasn't raised like that. I was raised to believe I could do anything I wanted to do. And I remember one producer in Nashville telling me, Melissa, your voice is absolutely incredible. But unfortunately, babe, people just don't buy ugly. And I remember thinking, that's not how I was raised to believe in myself. And it stops now. And so I made that video and it so resonated with people 
that that really is my, that's my passion. That's my, the, the underlying, the tie that binds all of this together. I'm just so thankful to have it. Was it, was it hard to learn? Yeah. It was hard to live knowing that people tell you you're good, but stand at the back. Nobody wants to look at you or you don't have the face for videos or whatever the case is. But it's this, it's this confidence that we can have. And maybe that's what resonates with, with people. Maybe that's why they like me. I don't know. But it's this confidence that we can be more than maybe these small little roles that that people try to put us in. And this is not a this is not a man bashing thing. Yeah. I will say that that primarily this did come from men. I think that's because the music industry is is is, is predominantly men still. But I do I do feel like that tide is shifting. I really do. Um, but you know, are you kidding me? It's not it's not just men that try to push you down. Women can be so mean to each other. We, we, we call it mom shaming or mean girls, but I, hey, it's everywhere. And I think that it is time that, that women who look like me and walk like me and sound like me and wear the same size jeans that I wear, that we say, no, we were called to bigger. We were called to braver things. And so really, that's kind of my train. And maybe I get on that soapbox too much, but you don't have to be the loudest voice in the room. You don't have to be the most obnoxious or the most abrasive to get your point across. You just have to carry your head high, your shoulders back. You can walk with class and dignity. And you can still be smart and intelligent and live brave. And that's really what I want my daughter to see. You know, I don't have to break down walls and go in a room and bust it up to be heard. And that's really what I I want my child to see. I want her to see her mother being brave and being courageous in life. Yeah, and that's such a profound message. And that probably is something that resonates with so many people because No matter what, I think there's always a reason to not feel good enough. And I think there's always, um, society always has a way of letting all of us know, um, you know, how we don't measure up and having that resilient attitude. You know, I love the analogy that you give when you talk about, you know, people tattoo stuff on your skin and you're starting to wear a sleeve of not enough in some way, shape or form. And I think all of us, regardless of, you know, what the cause of it is, can afford to say, not today, not anymore. You're not going to tattoo that on me. When I travel and go and do these public speaking events, I'll take some things to sell. And one of them is a t-shirt that says, choose your own tattoo. And when people first get to these events, they'll be like, what in the world does this mean? But they'll hear it. They'll, if they'll just hear me out. They'll hear that part of my story is that I had I got to a place in my life where I felt so weighted down by these words that people had on me over the years. So not enough, failure, lazy, um, too much, overweight, uh, unattractive, you name it. And those things start to weigh you down. And really, I felt as if the best way to describe it, the analogy that I gave was, I felt like they had been etched into my skin. They were these tattoos that you didn't get in the shower and wash them away. You know, they were there. They were a part of you. And they affected everything I did. They affected every decision I made. Heck, they were affecting my marriage. They were affecting my parenting. And I took a a course. I took a... uh, For lack of a better word, I guess you could say it was a Bible study, but really it wasn't because it was just me and one other woman, one-on-one. She was teaching me. She was kind 
part of mentoring me. And she really taught me all of the, the words that God calls us in, in his scripture. These were the words. Honestly, when I would hear them spoken to me, I would, I would think back to my childhood and I would think, those were the words I heard when I was small. Those were the words that were spoken over me when I was young. Um, forgiven, confident, beautiful, special, unique, called, uh, set apart. Those were the things I remembered. How have I let these other words become such a part of my skin and my nature? I didn't understand it. And so, no, we can't just get in a shower, take a long bubble bath, and they're gone. We have to retrain our thinking. We have to remove the old and replace it with who we truly are. And so that's what I mean when I, when I refer to choose your own tattoo. Choose what you're going to what you're going to allow to penetrate your skin. Mm, that's beautiful. And you teach a class to women, right? Kind of about this message. You teach a series of courses. Actually, interestingly enough, the course that I teach, I teach an online course. We've now offered it three times. And every time has been a huge hit with these women. Actually, interestingly enough, it's not about this specific topic. Um, it's about something completely different. I do feel like there will come a day when I will write a course on living brave and living courageously. But right now I'm focused on the book, on my book, which is called Eat, Take, Be Brave. Um, and so I'm putting all of that and all those teachings and all those lessons into that book. So the, the online course that I offer is about something completely different, and it's called This Sucks, dot, 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 but God is good. And it came from 12 years that I struggled with infertility. And I knew that what I was going through sucked. There was no other way. My mother's like, please don't use that word. <laughs> no other way that you can say it sucks. It blows chalk, man. But I knew that God was good. I knew that he had been faithful to me in the past, that he had been faithful to my family. So I, I couldn't figure that out. Twelve years of infertility is a very, very long time. When everyone around you is having children and starting this journey, and you are not only able to have children, you're throwing, you're hosting the baby showers. It's a really such a painful time. So um, David and I, after much testing and drugs and injections, you name it, we actually did get pregnant. Um, I, I, I was able to get pregnant five different times, wow. but I would miscarry every time. We were able to finally get pregnant, and um, the doctors watched me like a hawk, and I was about six months into the pregnancy when they told me that something was terribly wrong with my son and that he would probably not be born alive and that the condition was, this is a quote, Melissa, the condition is so rare, it's like lightning striking. And yet it happened to me, finally, after all of this time. And he was born on Christmas morning of 2005, about 6.30 in the morning on Christmas Day. And he lived about an hour and a half. So he was born kicking and screaming and absolutely beautiful, but inside. There's been no lung development or anything like that. So he passed away an hour and a half into Christmas Day. And so I write, this sucks, but God is good, from the, the angle of your story, your scar will eventually become your story. It really will. I'm telling you, every scar tells a story. And our struggle 
saying of that. Um, it's just it's just one part of my story. It sucked, but God is so good because six months after we buried that sweet baby, I got a phone call that there was a young girl in Texas looking for a family to adopt a baby. And I was there the day that baby was born. I cut the umbilical cord, and her name is Remy Hope Radke. She has been in my life since day one. And two years after Remy, we heard about a little boy that was going to be born. And I cut the umbilical cord with him. I was the first person to hold him. And his name is Rocco Cooper Radke. And so both of my children are the product of adoption. So we're huge adoption advocates. But it just goes to show you that I think to myself, God, why did you, I used to think, God, why did you let me go through so much pain? But because I knew there would come a day when I would speak to women and my voice would be heard. And I wanted to tell them, you're not alone. It sucks, but you're going to make it. You're going to make it through this. And um, so, yeah, so that's really what the course is about. And it has, I believe, it has brought hope and healing to so many women who, whether it's divorce or bankruptcy or cancer or a wayward child or infertility, whatever it is, people are hurting. They are hurting, and they are not alone. And I wanted them to know that, and so I teach this course on really how to change our perspective yeah. and, the, and the transforming power that brokenness can actually bring to our life. That's so profound. And, you know, maybe this is the thing with you. When I hear you say, you know, you struggled with infertility for 12 years, you know what I think about? You're not the kind of gal that gives up. You know, I hear resilience and I hear fight and I think you're just such a warrior and the world definitely needs more of that. This is why I think people fall in love with you is because you're such a fighter. And you know, it's funny because I never saw myself to be. I saw myself to be the throw up my hands and give up kind of girl. I never saw myself as a fighter. I would look at women and admire them for their resilience. But when I look back at it, I think to myself, dang, Melissa, you're still here, girl. Are still here. You are. You you took the bat and you made um, a, a testimony out of it. You know, and I, I think I'm actually kind of proud of myself. But are we allowed to say that we're kind of proud? Yeah, of that, absolutely. Know? Yeah, I just never saw that in me. But um, I, you know, when you're young and you're broken, you think everybody's better, smarter, more resilient, more profound than you. Yeah. What you don't realize is, if you're still around to talk about it, then you must have fought because it didn't. It didn't take you under. It didn't kill you. Absolutely. Melissa, I always ask my guests, um, you were to divide your life into three chapters up to this point. What, what would those three chapters be? Oh, what if some of your guests said, I'm not like theirs because she's not there. And you can just edit them in. Jeez, <laughs> um, I don't know. What would you say about you? Give me an example that you would oh, say. Oh, boy. Um... I would say, I would say, rooted, uh, uprooted, and replanted. Oh, I love that. Um, I would say my chapters would be good, better, best. That's a wonderful answer. Oh, yeah, I, I like that because, um, 
the, when I was when I was being raised, um, I, I was raised in a good home, with a good family, a good upbringing. I'm, I'm blessed to have that for sure. And it was a good childhood. It was good memories and a good family, and I was well loved. When I went through um, this wilderness place, um, that was probably the it was undoubtedly the hardest time. You know, that's infertility. Um, that didn't just rock my world. That rocked my marriage. Yeah. We went through several things in our marriage where we, we grieved separately, and that is a very dangerous thing to do. And yet that wilderness time was better for me than maybe even my childhood was because it taught me more. It made me stronger. It made me more fierce. Um, so that was, a, was an even better, surprisingly, an even better time. But this right here, this is the best because I'm able to share the story. I'm able to raise the children that God gave me through the, the joy of adoption. Um, this is the best time I've ever had. So I would say my chapters are good, better, best. Wow, that's beautiful. That's pretty That's pretty amazing. And Melissa, tell me, what are your three favorite traits about yourself? I'm funny. And I used to think that that was obnoxious, you know, um, but now I realize that it is life-giving. And I think that really sad and broken people love to be around someone funny. Okay. So I feel like um, I make friends easier because of my humor. And I feed people's spirits a little bit with my humor. So I like that I'm funny. I used to think, I used to wasn't so wild about it, you know? I was like, God, take off my ability to make people laugh. Take it away and just let me be able to, like, do a flip-flop, like, cheerleaders. <laughs> you know, that's what I, that, that, I'd rather have that. Um, God was like, no, please don't tumble ever, never. Um, you won't live. So I can't can't turn a freaking cartwheel, but I'm a lot of fun. Didn't you try to try out for cheerleading? Didn't I watch a stand up? Many, many, many times. <laughs> Never made it. Hey, it's part of the book. Yeah. I'm not gonna tell you that story. You can buy it for twenty four ninety nine. So yeah, I'm funny. Um, I let's see. What's another thing that I like? You know what? I'm pretty bold. I'm really bold. Um, and I like that about myself. In fact, for many years, I was, uh, surprisingly enough, I was non-confrontational. Um, and uh, I never necessarily was a doormat, but I, I, I wouldn't tear into it with you. I know more what I want now and what I like, and I'm pretty bold about it. So I like that aspect of my personality. And then, thirdly, I'm nurturing. And that surprised me the most. I didn't think I would. I thought that's maybe why I never had children because, like, the, co the cosmos knew I was, you know, couldn't even make a plant live. So I just assumed that was it. But I'm nurturing. Um, I love to. I love to care for not just my children, but my husband. I love to love on my family. Um, if my, if one of my girlfriends needs anything, I can make a mean casserole. Um, you know. So I would say those. I'm bold. I'm nurturing, and I'm a a lot of fun. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. Well, Melissa, I have all of the questions I wanted to ask you. Is there anything else that you want to add to the interview? I don't think so. Is it terrible? Yeah, I do have a question. Tell me. Is it terrible that I literally could talk about myself all day? <laughs> I'm like, you know what? This Monday has been so great because I woke up got to talk about myself. I mean, 
nothing wrong with you. I, I don't think it's terrible. I think it's beautiful. I could talk to you. No, I mean, seriously, I could talk to you and I could talk about you all day with you. But I, but I know you probably have things to do. You've got a husband there and you've got a couple kids there and you've got probably a million other things to do getting ready for your show. So I don't oh, want to no, take I up your time. <laughs> So as I'm getting ready to publish this fifth episode for my podcast, I'm seriously crossing my fingers and toes and every other appendage and hoping that there isn't a mass plague that'll take over the earth um, just as your episode is about to go live, not only because I care about humanity, but also because I love the story that you've shared. Thank you for so freely sharing of yourself. Melissa, you are just the embodiment of joy and all that is good on earth. And I am just so grateful that our paths have crossed, even if it was just for this very brief moment. And to my listeners, I thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that Melissa has inspired you as much as she inspired me. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave me a review on the Inspired Women, Inspire Women podcast. Not only do I appreciate your feedback, but every review matters. Once again, thank you for listening to the Inspired Women, Inspire Women podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can contact me via my webpage, at selasimmons.com that's S-E-E-L-A-S-I-M-M-O-N-S dot com